this morning I was taking my kids to school and I think I saw what was, I think it was a very large coyote cross the road in oh, our neighborhood. Oh my. I did not expect that. It looked like a wolf. Oh yeah, we have them here. We see, I, you only see them very infrequently when they're dead on the road, which is yeah. very rare, but they're crazy. I don't know if we talked about this recently. I remember having a conversation. You hear the coyotes, it sounds like the devil's having like a, a dancing fire ring. It's crazy. Like when you hear the <laughs> coyotes giggle out in the woods, the hair stands up on your neck. It is the craziest sound. And I always try and record it, but it's just too far away. I need like a real good pointed microphone. And so I'm mm-hmm. always like fumbling with my iPhone to record it. It never works. But it is so creepy and you hear it quite often up here. I think it was. I don't you, think I've ever heard that. Oh either, man, but. when you hear that, you'll be like, it's like, uh, I, I always say like when Fred Flintstone was like brushing his teeth when he was at Grandpa Giggle's house, when he had to spend the night to win the money in the will. <laughs> And he's brushing his teeth, and then the guy comes out of the painting with the big switchblade. No? Am I alone on this? This is a reference yep. that nobody's <laughs> going to get this one episode of the Flintstones. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, Fred Flintstone had to spend the night in the mansion to, to win the inheritance. Oh, that d- actually kind of do remember Yeah, that. Grandpa right, Giggles, he wore the wooden barrel, and he had the daisy in his hat. Huh. No? Anybody? Oh, man. <laughs> No, keep please keep going though, please. <laughs> no, and so when when Fred Flintstone's brushing his teeth, he hears this crazy sound, and he like makes like these googly eyes, and he's like at the br- toothbrush sticking out of his mouth, and that's what like when that's exactly what I do when I'm brushing my teeth, and I hear the the coyotes outside. Scary, and then we're always worried about the chickens and the dogs, but they never come that close to the house. But uh, occasionally, I got forty acres, so when you walk on the forty acres, occasionally you see a deer, that, and that's what the that crazy giggling mm. was <clears throat> they were mm. going they were going ape nuts on a deer and you see yeah just like you could see like the debris trail ape nuts i can't wow. say ape so i say ape yeah. nuts okay and <laughs> you you follow the debris trail and you see like a little like you know deer fur and then you see like oh oh there's a deer foot oh my there's a whole foot oh, wow, that's crazy <laughs> and then you see like a deer spine and you're like wow somebody didn't make it home and then you see like it's crazy mm. it's crazy yeah that's a real nature we have a war. bunch of deer around here and i'm sure that's why they're they're passing through but i had a friend on facebook last week it was she said she was like watching tv and she heard a bunch of coyotes and she was like and she lives in a neighborhood this is not out in the middle of nowhere this is like in the town and uh she was just completely freaked out because she said it, it sounded like they were right outside the house and she couldn't figure out why they were in the neighborhood. Yeah. And somebody else had commented that they're probably getting to the point in the year where they're looking for more food. So they're passing through all these areas they don't typically go to to look for food. So I guess that's why they're passing through. I mean, we do have some woods near us, but it's not, you know, we're still in town. It's not in the middle of the back of my property uh, adjoins like six or seven other big properties. So there's almost, there's like, couple of hundred acres all combined together in the back of all of our homes that is just no man's land that's where like everybody hunts and they kind of gently cross over each other's property lines and no one really seems to care but that's where all the deer are and that's where all the coyotes are it's like really like you can't walk through it unless you're you know willing to commit to like getting whacked in the Mm. face with sticky bushes and stuff it's not an easy trot but that's where all the wild animals are and that's where we hear them right out in the back but maybe like a couple thousand feet away is where it really gets thick do you guys have any bears up there? We do. There was a bear just down really? the street the other day in, at the ravine. Somebody told me. I did oh. not see it personally. There was one time before I lived up here full time that I came up and there were bear tracks all around the house. There were footprints all around the house in the snow. 
like trying to get in the house. That was the only bear thing that I personally saw, but I never did see one. But people see them all the time. Huh. Yeah. When we were you in, say there's black black bears here, but I've never seen. When we went on our vacation in Alaska about ten years ago, the you, you, you hear warnings about bears and moose all the time. So it's like if you. The, a lot of these places sell bear bells so when you're walking you make noise and you scare the bears away and they're um some of the, some of the advice was if you see a brown bear stand your ground if you see a black bear get out of there as fast as you can and some of the other advice was uh um, if you see a moose don't they're they're very massive massive large animals they're scary when you see them in person and you're not supposed to run and we were in our cabin I opened the door and there was a mother moose and a baby moose like right there and I just I just totally panicked and I just totally ran and I left Kelly behind (laughs) and we still talk about it to this day how how I just like I freaked out and and ran the moose (laughs) did not care she was just drinking out of the out of the pond I just heard the Flintstone twinkle toes like when he runs yeah exactly (laughs) I get the twinkle toes reference <laughs> I had a friend who went running one time in Alabama, and he went. He was doing switchbacks on this this hill, mountain hill thing. I don't know what if it was a mountain, but and uh, he got up to the top of it, and he was coming back down the switchback, and he ran into a bear. And I'm not sure what kind of bear it was, but there was a bear in the middle of the path, and so he didn't know what to do. He's a tall, big guy, but he didn't know what to do. So he just started making a bunch of noise. The bear jumped down into the woods. So he was like, I got to get out of here. So he starts running down the switchback, but the bear went down. Oh, so he met him at the other, he met him at the other end. He met him at the next one. And it happened like two or three times. And he was like, I got to get away from this bear. (laughs) But he was fine. I think there was a baby somewhere and the mother was trying to get back to the baby. But anyway, um, how do we get talking about bears? I don't know. (laughs) Jimmy. Jimmy. I'm sorry. It's always my Jimmy. fault. It's it's never your fault. Jimmy, what have you been up to? Uh, I just posted, it posted earlier this morning before we got together, my zombie apocalypse weapons challenge at Dirty Smith. Now, this is the fourth year in a row, and every year I say I'm going to join, and I finally did it. I made this crazy, nonsensical, mechanical spear. It was just an idea that I had early on when we were at the blacksmith's class talking about it. And I had this idea of a spear that goes inside the pumpkin, and then the pumpkin explodes from this, like, thing expelling and opening and I so I jumped in and I started making it and then I soon realized I'm like I'm never gonna have the force to like explode a pumpkin like I'm gonna shove this thing inside it and then like actuate the mechanism and it's gonna blow the pumpkin apart I mean I'd have to stick it into a birthday cake and then do it not a pumpkin I mean like the force inside of like a a pumpkin rind would never I'd never be able to, with just that stupid thing that I made. Anyway, so I made that, and it ended up making, like, the spear with, like, four sides. By the way, while I was working on it, I thought of you, Bob, because it reminded me of the X-Wing fighter. I was like, wow, it's like, a, mm. it's like an X-Wing when it, like, it. pops open. And Look at you knowing the name of a spaceship <laughs> in Star Wars. Well, I, I always remember the name <laughs> of the cool. coolest stuff that, that always impressed yeah. me, you know, like the coolest mechanisms. And, uh, of course, you know, the whole movie is cool mechanisms. But I... I got my video up and out, and uh, it was fun. Me and Brett had a lot of laughs playing, and Kevin was helping us. The three of us were laughing, me stabbing the pumpkin. I had a lot of fun. And uh, (laughs) I just kept, like, whacking at it and hitting it. So there's a whole montage at the end of me just, like, whacking and hitting on these two different pumpkins. So it was a funny little sequence. But 
I, in that video, I, I realized the importance after watching it of having a boring set. And what I mean is right where I was working, everything was the same color. There was lots of texture. I should have just worked on a completely flat piece of steel with nothing else in the shot. Because there's nothing I can do now. The video is up and out and it is what it is. But I was editing on this like kind of, I was shooting on this kind of busy set, like right where I was working. It was a little too busy visually. And I couldn't, after looking at it, I was like, well, I, you know, even though we've made hundreds of movies at this point, I'm looking at stuff and thinking, I got to do a better shot next time. Or you know, next time I, I weld or shoot welding metal, I got to make more of a clear visual of what the camera's seeing. I was excited hmm. to do the project, so I just jumped right in. I wasn't really thinking about all that other stuff. But when I sat in the edit, that's when I realized I kind of screwed up. But That's interesting because like you, your, your videos have always been in a shop with a bunch of other stuff going on. There's always been tons of texture in the background and around. Like, what made this one? Because right, right where you're looking, you're seeing me do something, and there's holes in the table. There's a, and my one welder ran out of gas, so I moved to the other welder in the middle of the video. So I went from one table to another table, and that other table is even more busier than the first table. When I say busy, the actual texture of the table has got holes in it. And then my second table is just like a big steel grid, like a big giant window screen, but thick. I, it was a piece of a door that I used, and now I just lay it down and I weld on top of it because it's steel. And uh, anyway, just uh, if you look mm. at it, I apologize for making a busy set. <laughs> <laughs> no, so I, you know, you learn from even though you know people think like we've done so many, like you can't still. Oh, you, you got to be, you got to know exactly what you're doing now. And you still screw up and look back and go, oh, I would have made this change or that change. So. That's that's interesting because like one of the things I loved I about your old shop was the amount of like like it looked like you had been in that shop forever, you know, and like every shot in the background those walls are just covered with, you know, tools and stuff and like it just looked like you had made a million things in that one shop over the last whatever many many years. Yeah, and the new shop seemed to take that on, even though it's bigger, it still has that same feel. No, I'm like I I'm like pig pen from the uh, the peanuts. Like, there's like a, <laughs> just a swirling mass of junk around me everywhere I go. Dust and dirt, and my hands are always dirty. And everywhere I go, that texture comes with me. And Kevin Lazat spent the weekend, and Kevin's super precise, and he's like the opposite of me. And and we worked in the shop together, working on some of the razor blade products. And we, you know, every time we're together, we always discuss this. Like, it's funny. He knows my chaos now. He's always like, "Where are the drills?" I was like. I go, I don't know. And he like looks under like a pile of wood. He's like, oh, they're right here, right where I assume they would be. So it's funny. This <laughs> chaos I have. I would, and we discussed the idea of like, he said, what if you had a shop that was like, like the Tesla factory where everything was absolutely perfect? Would that be okay with you? I said, I would love that. But what I would need is a team of people cleaning up behind me, which I don't have. I mean, hmm. Brett cleans up. And then Jesse spent the week with us too. Jesse's been here all week, uh, Jesse Ueda. And she's been blacksmithing and hanging out. And she's amazing. I mean, Jesse's like, in, in her downtime, she's like, I'm just going to clean up. So she's organizing everything for me, which is great. I said, can you stay here and be my sister and work for me? <laughs> so I'm trying to convince her to be my sister and come work here. Hmm. So I keep saying, hey, look, upstate New York is so much nicer than Southern California, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> so she's been great to have around. So. Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, my life is chaos. Everything's good though, and the canoe. You like working chaos. on the canoe. I do. Yeah. You know, I, I, it's funny when <laughs> sometimes it gets to a point where I don't have like seven deadlines and four deliveries and drop-offs and pickups happening in the afternoon, and I'm like, 
oh, I just take a walk with Chip out in the woods. Yeah. Uh, and I'm like, I, the whole time, I'm like, I know I'm forgetting something. Right, right. <laughs> Something's about to explode. <laughs> His <Yeah>. anxiety <laughs> just around the corner. But uh, the canoe is getting really close too. So this week, Taylor's going to weave the seats with leather stripping, and we're going to the canoe seats already fit. I fit them the other day, so I'm like in the home stretch. And then once we do it, mm. just needs a couple coats of varnish, a logo application, and and I'm basically done. So I'm excited to get that done and give it give it a test and wrap that video. I've been editing right up to Brett did the first half of the edit. I've been working on the second half, and just keep tweaking and tweaking and tweaking. It's about at about 22 minutes right now for a full build and I get about probably about four minutes of video left to add to it so pretty close to like a good 25 minute video excited wow. about that yeah that's uh, what's six your months, longest video do you know six months worth of work um, I think like a couple of the vlogs got close to around 28 29 minutes wow. some of the vlogs and uh, I, I see you know what most people don't watch these anyway so I'll just put them out diehard fans will watch them to the end and I can always tell I always put something stupid at the end most of the time I put like a little every time I put something about the animals so I could always tell who's watched to the end because they'll be like oh my god Chippy's so cute and so I know oh they watched the very last few frames so, mm. so a lot of people like the long the long vlogs you know the diehard fans it's funny hey, what's your it, longest video oh god uh, it's 20 Just some minutes and I don't it's one of my lar larger builds I don't remember which one but Probably 22 minutes. Hmm. Cool. You? There's Sorry, a, Jimmy. I didn't mean to cut you off. <clears throat> it always feels Mine weird, but not a video that long. Because you're like, is are people going to watch this? Is it going to do well? And, yeah. And it really depends on what the subject is. Yeah. It doesn't seem to be like a yes or no just based on the length. I, I mean, because I've done several over 20 minutes now, and I... I'm always really hesitant to to do that, but just because it feels like I know for myself, like if one of you guys has a 20 minute video, it goes in my watch later and it sits there for a long time until I'm like, you know, one night I finish a Netflix show <laughs> 20 minutes before bed. And I'm like, oh, I can finally watch that thing. You know, so they just sit there. Um, I watch the long but, videos in pieces and I actually asked the audience in a quick Instagram thing. I said, two or three segments for the canoe build or just one long one, which personally I would like one long one, but I'm just curious what people think. And everybody said, just make it one long one. We'll watch it in pieces if it's too long, you know, to watch in one sitting. So mm -hmm. that's what I like. I, I hate like finding a part two to something. And then mm -hmm. you know, sometimes for some reason, part one and two don't always end up together in a search, which is so annoying because you got to like figure yeah. out what, where is part one or where is part three. Yeah. So I'm that's why my... I, I don't like, I don't like doing set segmented videos. In July, I put out a picture frame making video, and it's 22 minutes, just under 22 minutes. And as far as views, it's it's done really well. And then it's got like a 98.1% likes versus dislikes. And so it's it's one of my more popular videos, but I go into a lot of detail. Most of my videos are not uh, step by step, but this one was. And so I didn't care that it was so long. But if, if I'm just building something for myself, uh, I, I I care more about the entertainment and the visual aspect of it, and so people just watch it for enjoyment. Yeah, I think I'm looking back at my past several. When I uh, I turned a, an attic into a closet, that was a pretty big build. That was 23 minutes. Um, I had another one that was in the, oh the Soundwave boombox thing was 21 minutes, which actually is really long for what that was, but it had a bunch of little detail stuff to it. But anyway. I was I, just curious. I thought the canoe video was going to be like 35 minutes long. That's what I was thinking. 
Mm-hmm. But after there's so many repetitive parts. Like I can just glue and glue and glue and glue and glue, or I can glue two things and then crossfade to it, almost being done. And you know what I've done, so that's why I'm able to take the video and make it short. I, and I could show you sanding and sanding and sanding <laughs> and sanding, or I could turn the sander on and then turn it off at the, like you know three days later. There's no reason to see all that repetitive stuff. Did you shoot all of that, like every everything? We I did just because I was getting creative with the space, shooting like trees in the background and. Sorry, a coyote just killed the chicken right, in, right on the porch. <laughs> <laughs> on cue. <laughs> so I just got creative in the space because I was excited to shoot inside the barn. So I probably shot a lot more than I need, which maybe I'll make a special video of me standing for four hours. So <laughs> we've, we've all have a hundred, hundreds of videos under our belt. And so do you guys worry about showing the same thing over and over again? Like a table saw cut. Like everybody knows what a table saw cut looks like by now, right? So do you try to get creative with it? Do you skip it? Do you still show no, it? No, I, I, I like, personally, I like to leave it all in. Just even if it's like, I cut, like, it's really funny. If it's missing, you'll miss it. You'll be like, wait a minute. How'd you go from one piece of wood to three? Yeah. But yeah. If, if I put in a table saw cut that is literally like 10 frames long, you feel like, oh, okay, now I, I'm like, it, it's it's so short, but it's short enough to know, like, it's like a blip, and it's like a subliminal message, like, okay, that went from this to this because of this result. You know, that the yeah. result is this object. So I put them in for that reason, just so it's like tells every part of the story. But, yeah, I've kind of adjusted how I do that over time. Um, I realized a while back, like, I if I'm going to give measurements, which I don't ever give measurements in the video because I don't think it's... I just have reasons for that. But if I'm not going to be giving measurements, then I don't necessarily have to show every piece that's being cut on a table saw because you get the idea that they're all being cut. So I'll sh- show some of them being cut for that same reason, Jimmy, to like connect this piece to this piece. But you know, typically somebody's not going to watch all of that and be like, "Wait a second, he only cut 8 pieces, but there's actually 10," you know. Yeah. I'm sure somebody will, but you know, I I don't try to cover every single cut. But I'm also trying to compress that type of action down um, the stuff that's maybe more obvious or not necessary and try to spend more time on the things that are a little unique about that project or the things that Mm -hmm. stand out. And part of the reason that I'm doing the bits videos now is so that I can take a task that happens on a lot of different projects and fully explain it. like Link it back. Yeah, link back to it. Like the milling lumber one we did is so that I don't ever have to say (laughs) from now on, this is how you get a board straight. It's like, I'm going to mill this up straight. And if you want to see how, there's the video that explains it start to finish, you know, that kind of thing. And so that's a big part of the the bits videos is just trying to pull those repetitive chunks out so that the projects videos can spend a little more time on the creative, the overall thing and the creative and the why and the how and mm. stuff like that and less of the minutia. But I still want it to be there because I think that stuff is really important for people to, you know, know how to do... Yeah, well, it's all those little things. I just had a conversation with Taylor, and she's going to weave the seats with this. She's got this pattern idea for leather. And I said, We have to have the seats done this week. I said, Take one and just do the whole thing completely off camera, just so you can get a feel of how to do it. I don't need to shoot two of them. And then we'll just time lapse the second one. And that's it. It'll probably end up being 30, not even like 20 seconds of video of her working on the thing. Maybe, you know, all in a sequence of her doing the seat might be 30 seconds with you know several cuts so i said just take the time and 
you're comfortable doing it. I don't have to film you at all. So a lot of that happens too off camera. Where, so you just yeah, typically I, I don't do a whole lot of like repeated things like that where you have to do two or three of them. Right now I'm actually building three desks for my boys, and I did the same thing, and it was it was actually really nice because I don't typically have the freedom to do this, but I built one. And it was like, oh, okay, now I see that action. I know all the steps, and now filming it will be even more efficient because, like, Josh and I both know what the next step is on every single part of this, you know. And because I'm doing three of them, and the leg assemblies had to be glued up separately, I or, well, the box had to be glued up separately, I glued one box fully, one box halfway, and then the other one I hadn't started. So we came in, and we filmed all three steps on three different boxes, but we were able to do them back to back to back. And it looked like like a cooking show. We're like, I'm going to put this one in the clamps and set it aside. Now I've got this one that's almost done cooking. You know, it's right out of the oven. Yeah. And I was able to get like all three of that in one day rather than like having to, you know, clamp something up, wait two hours, shoot that next piece, wait two hours. It was it, it was a lot nicer to be able to do that. But anyway, I'm also, I'm building desks right now. That's part of what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> David, what have you been doing? Uh, this week, we're working on a trophy. My cousin, uh, he works at a... Um, his He works for his parents, and his parents own this metal fabrication shop, and mostly what they do is repair sprint cars and build sprint cars all year. Wow. And once a year, he has a go-kart race on the property, and it's a big... like. It's a pretty big deal. Like 50 people show up with their go-karts and, and race on this one day in November. And he welded up the the top of this trophy, which is, it's it's really impressive to me. As somebody who knows very little about metal, this trophy looks awesome. So it's, it's a go-kart that he fabricated out of metal wire and plates and everything and there's tires and he, he did the, the knurling on the, on the wheels and everything. And so he made the top of it and I'm going to make the, the bottom. And I've been debating this whole time of like, do I make a video of this? What's like, cause I don't have any footage of him making the top, but I decided I am going to make a video. Uh, I haven't decided what to do for the base just yet, but um, it'll probably be Walnut cause I like Walnut. And the race is I think the first week in November. So um, I, I will put out the video until after that because I kind of want to get some footage of the race and the footage of the person getting the trophy. And so I think it'll be, uh, I think it'll be fun. Uh, it's, I'm, I'm having a little bit of trouble coming up with something, something cool for it. Uh, Dan and I talked about doing some sort of checker flag pattern in there with the wood. And now I'm kind of cool. going, I'm kind of going against that. Um, I don't know because check a flag pattern with some bandsaw action that would look nice wavy flags maybe maybe so I gotta I gotta come (laughs) up with it today because I gotta go get the wood for it today so we'll see and uh, that's that's basically what I'm working on Um, I'm hoping it's it's one of those videos that I'm worried about because there's no footage of him doing any of the metal work and that's where the cool part of this trophy is so Hopefully I can make it work. Maybe I can if you can get in the shop, stuff. if you can get to the shop, just do like a montage of like sparks and grinding, boom, 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 and then like, whoop, <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> that's brilliant. Yeah, I should do that. Yeah, just do like a quick, bing. It's on yeah. camera. Uh, yeah, 
Um, there is, or just fake it, like like have a, a block of metal and then just like hit it with a hammer, and the next frame is the finished thing. Uh, yeah. It's just like oh, I'll, I'll Paul Jackman. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I do kind of want to tell a quick story. I posted an article up on Twitter that a local paper did of my grandfather, and a couple of people have asked, like, I didn't know your grandpa did this. Can you talk about it on the podcast? So, oh, true. My grandpa, ninety six years old. He is in the shop every single day and he makes these little wooden crosses they're about three inches tall and he's made he did a tour of his workshop right about a few months back uh on on was that on instagram yeah Yeah. right okay and um he's made over ten thousand of these crosses he makes them every day and yeah he's he's in the workshop every day he's he's still sharp as, as as a nail he's he's super funny um and so a couple like a wildlife magazine just interviewed him for an article and then a local paper just did a little bio on him and i actually asked him about two years ago if i could come over and film a, a little piece about him and he was just like why why would you want to do that and so i i, I didn't want to pressure him so I, I just backed off but now i think i can get in there and, and film something because he seems to be a little bit more open to it now. But he makes um, all these cool things. Uh, I have some toy wooden toy cars that he's made. I've got birdhouses to hang up in, uh, in our yard that he's made. And one of the cool things is he makes this little trivet, like you put a, a, like a hot plate, like you put a hot pan on so you don't burn your countertop. He makes them out of uh he'll he'll go buy single tiles from home depot or lowe's and make a little wood frame for them and i'm making i'm reproducing one of those for my new book so it's um that's one of the exciting things about the book is like this is the thing that my grandpa makes and now it's going to go into my book and i can't wait to get the book done to show grandpa because he'll be so excited so just wanted to tell the story about my grandpa because he is he's probably the nicest person i know he's the most he's so genuine he wants to uh, he just wants to bring so much goodness into the world and he's like he's the person i want to be because he's 96 years old and he's in the shop every day and he's just doing it for fun he doesn't sell anything ever and he just he gives all these crosses away and it's just a great story that's cool what did he do as a young man uh, he worked at a rubber factory, and then as he got older, he worked a couple jobs at one time. He was he's a World War II vet, and um, he just worked in a factory. And he kind of used after after my grandma passed away in like '85, he needed something to do, and so he just kind of picked up woodworking and and went from there. And his shop is cool. His shop is like a miniature version of your new york shop because it's just it's just dust and tools and everything is piled up and everything looks old and it has that that cool feel to it right hmm awesome very cool um let's see what i've been doing i am making desks but that's for a few weeks out i made a uh (laughs) video that's going to come out this week if i can get it done is a fake neon sign and uh, I saw something a few weeks back, and I can't even remember what got me the idea. But have you ever seen EL Wire? Yeah. You know what EL Wire is? Yep. So I decided to make... So EL Wire is an electroluminescent wire 
like a flexible, really thin little wire. And um, you can cut it, so you can get it to any length that you want, and you can just trim off the end, and it, it will just light up, and it's, it takes batteries, or you can plug it in. It's like 5 volts. And it's not super bright, but I was curious if it would be bright enough to make like a fake neon sign out of. And so basically I, I printed out, 3D printed my logo with connectors in between the pieces, made a mold of that, cast that in epoxy, and then routed out the back of it to inlay this wire into it so that when you flip the logo over, it's kind of like a clear material with a light on the inside of it like neon would be. And uh, it was funny, we ran into a bunch of different problems like with the molding material I had was old and out of date so it didn't like mold correctly and then the, the casting was a little weird and stuff but eventually it got working. It was mainly just an experiment and it's one of those things that like I tried to be really clear about this is an experiment. It's not necessarily supposed to look good or work or anything, you know, just kind of trying it. So I'll be interested to see if that comes across or if everybody's like, you did a bad job. At that. <laughs> How about when you make a zombie weapon and people rationalize the actual uh, oh, usefulness yeah. of it? <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, my, my nunchucks that I made last week that I very clearly said this is a prop. People were like, that's not going to last. How many ninjas can you kill with those? I'm like, come on, guys. Yeah, people overthink things a little bit. But anyway, I, I did that. Um, I've also got a video coming out today, uh, a bits video about the difference between Arduinos and Raspberry Pi. So I tried to be like really high level, like here why you would use one over the other. Here's what you would use them for. And you know, if you're looking for a project or if you're, you have a project coming up and you're trying to figure out what to use for it, here are two very different things and why you would pick one over the other. So I'm pretty proud of of where we're going with those bits videos because I hope that we're building like a library of helpful stuff like that you know like a question that somebody will always need answered my 10 tips videos still get watched constantly they're all I get I get emails and compliments and conversations about them every week and everyone's like Mm. when are you going to see do more and I have you know they're all it's like a whole bunch of sub it's a whole bunch of content on one subject so I I have written out the CNC one I have Moving heavy objects, which I promised I never did. I have welding. So I have a bunch of similar things like that that I'm going to try and get to this year, 2019. 2019. <laughs> That's next year, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's next year. It's still 2018. <clears throat> Jimmy lives um, in the future. I won't have time. I know it. Not till then, at least. So we had something that we were gonna we before we started recording we were like oh yeah let's just kind of go with that what 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 was it because I don't remember that was like thirty minutes ago I remember I'm gonna <laughs> transition into it so my oh, my grandfather who would not consider himself an artist in any way I think he is an absolute artist because he's designed these little crosses these birdhouses and he he does it for the love of it he doesn't do it to make money and my grandpa is an artist. I'm going to let Jimmy take it from there. All right. Me and Kevin, Kevin Lazat was with me this weekend. He's still here. And we were just discussing uh, concepts of people who are artists in their heart, but are afraid to admit it. And that brought up an interesting conversation of like the people we know and our own personal experiences of people that say, for instance, are uh, uh, like my dad was a fireman, but he was also an artist. But in his mind, he was a, he was a fireman first and the artist he was taught to suppress I find my dad's old notebooks he still he still has his notebooks from high school and they're covered with doodles and drawings and cartoon characters he made up and bubble letters that he would devise typefaces he would devise 
but he became a fireman because his father said, art is not really a way to make money. You need to be a civil servant. So my dad always sort of suppressed that. And then as I grew up and I wanted to personally, <clears throat> I, I always was an artist and I thank my environment, my teachers growing up who pushed me that way. Cause I didn't realize it. I didn't know that I was the artist that I am. People saw it in me before I saw it in myself. Cause to me, I was just being natural. Then as I got older, my dad kind of started to suppress it a little bit in the way that like he wanted me to be creative, but he didn't want me to get that as a job. Like, don't do that as a job. No, no, no. Be creative, be whatever you want, but don't, no, 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 no. You got to get a real job. That's not going to earn you money. So when I went to art school, my dad said, always oh, like, take the police test, take the fire test. It's always a fallback position. I was like, no, 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 no. There's no fallback position. I'm going to do something in this environment. I don't know what it is yet. And I was experimenting with lots of different things. But that being said, I mean, I was lucky enough to realize it early on and follow it and pursue it on my own. But there's a lot of people that are now with married, with kids, uh, they have a job. And for them to come out of the closet literally and say, I'm an artist, is too much for them. It's, it's too much for the work environment, for the guys they work with to be like, ah, what are you, what are you, some kind of artist? Stay in your lane. This is your lane. You're not an artist. What do you think? Well, who do you think you are? So <clears throat> just wanted to open a conversation about if anybody's listening, that A, it's okay to be an artist and there's nothing wrong with it. And in this world of YouTube, we're, we're all sharing ideas. And a lot of guys are coming, and I hate to say use this term out of the closet as an artist, but a lot of guys are coming out of darkness as artists because of YouTube. And it's really great to see that and it, it kind of came out of the conversation last week when I was seeing all these older guys at the CNC place. You know, these guys are all like programmers, shipping department, you know, firemen, ambulance driver. And now they're expressing their, their artistic side through CNC. And it's amazing to see the, the, the technology is, is, is more accessible now than it ever has been. And to see these, yeah. this older generation be able to access it. And, and even at the very least... Take a class in drawing, take a class in sculpting, take a class in clay or whatever it is, you know. So I just wanted to open that conversation. Yeah, I, mean, I think, I don't think he would mind me saying this, but um, I had a conversation with Bobby Duke at um, Maker Faire this year. We were just talking and, and he was saying how, you know, he used to be a truck driver. Amazing. He, what an amazing he story. He always said that he thought about himself as an artist, but he was never like, never thought it was realistic to, to try to really pursue it as like anything other than just a hobby or a, you know, just a, a kind of thing in the back of his mind. And he started making videos and they just took off. And so in, in a very short amount of time, he went from thinking like, this is not at all reality, you know, as a way to make a living. And now it's like what he does. He it's just, amazing. if you could he, define artist in a cat in, in a dictionary, you see Bobby Duke. I mean, I spent <laughs> some time with him. He's came and spent time yeah. at the house. He's inquisitive. He's interested. He's curious. He, he looks at everything. And I remember my teacher once said that to me and a, Freshman year at art school, she's like, as an artist, you look at the way the bark grows on the tree. You look at the way the cement flows. You look at all these little different things. And and she was right about most of the people she was talking to, including myself. I definitely had these personal experiences. But when you hang out with Bobby, he's the same way. He's playful. Yeah. He picks things up. He's like playing with straws. And, and, and you know, so it's funny to think he, he is who he is, but he was a truck driver. Like, what part of his life did he have to suppress yeah. that? behavior and you know it's crazy you know thankfully he found that out early enough and he's not 80 years old figuring it out i think well one of the thing the reason i brought it up one of the things i think is really cool is that youtube 
in the, the current state of technology was the thing that gave him the voice. It was the thing that gave him a way to express yeah. something as a hobby that then snowballed into being able to sustain him and his family. And I, that's just amazing. I yeah, mean, it's a great story. You know, we can get super jaded and super, uh, like it can be super normalized that we are surrounded by YouTube and we have the ability to create whatever we want and put it up for as many people, you know, to see as can possibly get access to the internet. I mean, th that's pretty mind-boggling. And when, like, it's easy for me to get kind of forgetful about that, but then I talk to somebody like him, and in a short amount of time, that same piece of technology m made a significant change in his life, in his family's life, but also just in who he defines himself as. Yeah. He's finally calling himself the artist that he's always thought of himself as, that he's yeah. always wanted to be. And that's just a, that's a super, super cool thing. I, I looked up artist just out of curiosity to see what the technical, you know, definition was. And because it's one of those things that like, you know, like let's talk about love. Well, everybody thinks of love as a different thing. Let's talk about artist or art, you know, but it, the way it describes it, it says there's three different kind of definitions here. One, a person who produces paintings or drawings as a profession or hobby. So that's the wrong definition, I think, or that's a limited yeah. definition yeah. of it. But that's the first one that comes up. And I think that's what most people tend to think of, right? You think of like visual art, you think of fine art, something like that. But then it keeps going. Person who practices any of the various creative arts, kind of the same thing. But then the third one gets me. A person skilled at a particular task or occupation. Mm -hmm. And if that's your definition of an artist, that opens it up to anyone, yeah. which I think is a good thing, you know? Um, because I think what you're saying, Jimmy, is a lot of people will look at like you, I don't know if you said this while we were recording or before, but like somebody who's a programmer, they may not think of themselves as an artist, but being someone who's been in that particular profession for a while, it is not as straightforward and linear as you think it is. Right. It is a creative pursuit, you know, in every right. way, shape, or form. Right. And um, and that's it's a task or an occupation that somebody who's good at it, like somebody can have a knack for things, right? Mm -hmm. Somebody can have an innate way to do things differently than everybody else. And, you know, programming and uh, surgery and, you know, these are all things that people can have a very specific talent and knack for. And I, I don't know, people could be an artist in any, any one of those things. I follow, those things. I follow a surgeon on Instagram, uh, Dr. Amber Ellis, and I found her through the Saw Stop Instagram because she repaired huh. somebody's hand who was severely damaged. Uh, by a table saw and I follow her and she's so proud of what she does and she offers advice and she's offered me some advice on how to get my finger repaired my pinky is still in, in, inoperable um, so I look at her work and she's she's not an artist by the definition of a painter or sculptor but she takes apart human flesh and reassembles it to working order and it is pretty amazing how hmm. artful you must have to be and how creative you have to be to design, if you go look at her her Instagram, which we can link it, it's uh, Dr. Amber Ellis. She shows before and after pictures of some injuries. You know, she always says, if you don't want to see it, don't swipe left. But she'll show you the net result of of an operation, and she usually has four or five images of the reconstructive surgery, or maybe it's a birth defect she's fixing, or it's plastic surgery. But it's it it is pretty amazing the artistry that goes into repairing the human body. And then you know you would see that person say, oh, that's a doctor, but in reality, she's a doctor and an artist. So I kind of took a backwards approach to it because the, the the sub 
the subject started off with people who are artists who don't think they're artists. And I've kind of given myself the title of artist before I was. I've given myself the title of woodworker before I was, and then just kind of filled those shoes. Because in, in my mind, I have to tell myself that I am this thing. I am, if I'm not good at this thing, I'll say I am good at this thing until I become good at that thing. And that's just the thing that, that's a trick that's worked for me. And so mm. I was probably calling myself an artist before I should, but I don't really care what other people think. I and think it's in the heart too. I mean, I, I, I know artists that, uh, there's, there are people that I've hung out with that are true artists that don't do anything with their hands. It's just, a, it's, it's an emotional way of being. It's I, just, you know I what like I'm saying? That. I, yeah. And before, before Bob was going to read the definition, my definition in my head was somebody who creates or uh, it is creative and I that could be anything and that could be programming or surgery because you got to get creative in those things and you got to think like yeah. an artist to overcome the, the issues that are in front of you. So you said that you started calling yourself that before you were that. Why do you think, I don't, gosh, I don't know how to answer that, ask that question. <laughs> why, why do you think that you were not an artist when you started calling yourself an artist? I, because you, you, because if I met a stranger off the street and I said, I'm an artist, and they said, show me your work, and I had nothing to show them, I would- But you do. But, uh, go, if we go back years, not, oh, okay, not, okay. not now, not now. I, I, see. I, I, I still consider myself an artist, and I think I do have the work now to show to show that, but I'm, I'm talking years ago when I was just getting into it. Gotcha. Yeah, I, that's something I kind of have, I mean, just the whole claiming that as like part of identity, you know, like, you know, like you're, you're doing like, that's something that you strive for, something that you want to be, you want to be known as it's, even though I went to an art school, I never really went into it with like the intention of like, I want to be known as an artist, not even known as, but like, maybe I just didn't quite identify as that. Not because, Mm. not because like I have a negative reaction to it. Like, oh, I'm not good enough to be an artist. It's not like that. It just... I don't know. It just felt like a thing that was over there and like a certain way to define creative pursuits. And I am a creative person. I do all sorts of things that are creative, you know, but I just, I don't know. It's funny because like I have really good friends that are painters and photographers and I look at their work and I'm just like, that is unbelievable. That is art. Did you that separate there, the programming? Did you think, did you think the computer stuff was not art? No, not necessarily, because, I mean, I went to school with people who were making, um, you were doing 3D work on movies and stuff. Mm-hmm. I was in class with a guy that was working on the original Spider-Man movie, and um, he had he had, had a, like an internship or something and, and got to work on some of the 3D modeling. And when you look at that type of, that level of work, you're like, yes, that is artistry, obviously. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't a matter of the technology, it just felt like, I don't know. It just felt like a different thing. Like maybe more of a the stuff I was doing that was more. Um, oh gosh, I can't think of the words. Clinical. Like I was doing a lot of like yeah, maybe more mechanical. It was a little more you know like design oriented, and not necessarily like art for the sake of art. Like it was functional. It was like functional art that you know a design gets a logo across. It gets a product across. It yeah. There's a fine line between like say commercial art and artistry. Yeah, like yeah. you know, like Maybe I that's do. Where you I know, I'll, I'll you know, we we do work that are that are advertising. We try and implement a little bit of art in the advertising, 
but then you make a zombie weapon, you know, for instance. You know, it's just, <laughs> you know, it's not practical yeah. and it really won't work. If there really was a zombie challenge, you know, I think an axe would be a better idea. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm reading the comments. Uh, I, I, no. I do want to bring up, Jimmy, you brought up age earlier, and I just want to point out one more time that my grandfather, who is 96, didn't take up woodworking until 1985. I mean, I'm not good with the math, but that's he was 60 he was in his 60s yeah and so that's that's a crazy time to pick up a new hobby right yeah and and a dangerous one at that so it it, it doesn't matter i think it's um you you have to as you get older i think it's more important to find those creative outlets so you have a purpose and so you enjoy life it's funny i had to remind myself the other day maybe even brett helped me remind myself that when i very first met brett one of the guys uh, from uh, a YouTube channel that does blacksmithing contacted me and he said, hey, my brother's having a hammer and why don't you come and hang out? And I, and I mentioned it to Brett. Brett's like, those guys invited you to this thing? I'm like, yeah, yeah. He's like, you don't want to go? I'm like, oh, I don't know. I mean, I want a blacksmith, but I just really haven't had the time to play around with it. He's like, let's go. And because Brett pushed me, we went to this hammering thing. It was two years ago. And I, it, it totally enlightened me to the fact that I really want to experiment in this art form. And just hanging out with the whole crew of guys. And I would take it more of like a, oh, I, I have to keep all my tools inside. But at this hammer and that I went to, tools are outside. They were laying everywhere. I'm like, oh, this feels more comfortable to me. Like, you know, things are rusty. Hmm. And it's not uh, so precious. And that was the beginning of me taking that leap into, I want to write right away. And I bought that power hammer, which I, like, I immediately felt that was in over my head. But I'll deal with it. And now I have this whole blacksmith shop in the back. And if you watch the Zambi thing, I'm definitely experimenting and expanding my skill set and it feels so right but two years ago i remember talking to you guys about it saying oh i want to explore blacksmithing more now i'm doing it and you know i'm very proud of myself and you know with brett's help we we have come this far and i like letting brett experiment because then he shows me his experimentations it inspires me so yeah i'm like totally submerged in this like little art form which to me was just like a, oh that would be cool one day to get into that Go ahead, guys. I, I uh, speaking of experimenting, I just picked up this this carving tool. Oh yeah, got a, got a little hook, and then I got a, a couple of, of carving books. And so I, I love the fact that woodworking is such a wide range of things, and carving is something I have never ever done, and it's something I, w- I want to get into. And maybe into? maybe I'll maybe I'll be terrible at it. Maybe I'll hate it. It's it's just another way of of creating and expressing expressing myself. So I'm gonna have fun with that in the next couple of days. So this brings up a, a thing that I wasn't planning on talking about, and this is maybe wandering away from the artist thing. But I caught myself. I think it was last night, and I can't even remember the specific skill that I was thinking of. But I was thinking of something, and going, oh, I would like to go down this road and like learn this, gosh, what was it? I don't even know what it was. But it was something that would would require more tooling and more... Knitting? Like more of an investment. Yeah, it was knitting. That's what it was. I was like, man, I need that (laughs) super knitting. No. But whatever this thing was, I really should remember because it would make the story better. I caught myself going, no, I probably... I've done that before. I was like, no, I probably shouldn't do that because that will push me further away from... What race car driving? 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> Just trying to jog your memory. No, but like the the sentiment, uh, whatever, was that there was a point where I thought I should go try to learn this new thing. But if I do, that will put me in a place even further from where I was a few years ago. This sounds so backwards now that I say it out loud. Uh, and separate me more from the people who are getting started and watching my videos. Because we get that a lot. I get that a lot. I'm sure we all do. We're like, you know, go back to making simple things that anybody can make or go back to whatever, whatever. And I, d- I do want to continue to push myself forward and learn new things. But I also want to try to still be accessible. And, like, I want people to be empowered to make things. And if if they see something that is so far away from where they are, they're not necessarily going to be empowered to try it, right, to go mm-hmm. down that road. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it was weird that I caught myself in a moment thinking, no, I should not learn this new skill because it will push me further away from these people. And I was just, like, angry at myself. Hmm. Mm. Like, like we shouldn't do that. Nobody no, because should do that. A, there's so many, like, if you watch this, and I keep using it because it's the most recent thing on my mind, this is a zombie weapon I made. There's so many little nuanced parts to that where you could just take that one piece of the video and be inspired to do something totally different. Whether right. it's just, you know, bending metal or the way I made this like kind of diamond-shaped uh, cross where the handle comes together or, uh, you know, the mechanism. You know, I, I'm watching the video going, oh, I look like I'm making a, a mechanical bug. And I'm like, I wish I went in that direction instead of making a zombie <laughs> spear. So eventually I'll make a mechanical <laughs> bug. But I think, That's you know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't limit your videos. You know, people, it's funny, like, I'll make a complicated video. So I'll be like, you know, you used to make things that people could make. I make whatever I want. I mean, it's like why it's Jocko's channel is called uh, Jocko's channel is Taylor just says hello. Jocko's channel is uh, Jocko whatever. And he said it's because he wants to be able to just do whatever he wants. He doesn't want to be limited to one thing. But that being yeah. said, if you look at the scope of everybody's art, I just unconsciously said art, but what I meant to say everyone's videos, there's yeah. something there for everybody. Mm-hmm. And, every, and, and, and I know and that. the entire and like, internet. I- yeah, and I know that, and I know that about myself. I know that I have videos all over the spectrum, you know, that will apply to people of, of all different skill levels, and hopefully something will, will just trigger something in somebody's mind. I know that. It was just weird that I caught myself, like, like pulling back from a challenge or pulling back from something that I wanted to do. Like, I actively said, I want to go learn this thing. No, I probably shouldn't because of people. And I was just like, ugh. Diamond no. setting? That's not cool. Yeah, it was diamond setting. That's what it was. Thanks. Mm-hmm. No. Diamond polish. <clears throat> <laughs> anyway, I just, like, nobody should do that. Nobody should stop themselves from wanting to go down a path of exploration and of learning something new and trying something new because they're afraid that other people can't come along with them. Gunsmithing? <laughs> stop it. <laughs> it's just, a, I'm trying to make a point, Jimmy. And no, I'm just, I'm curious to know what it was. I, it was probably something to do with machining because I was trying oh. to do the metal lathe stuff on the, the nunchucks and I was having trouble with it. And I asked people about in the comments, like, I, you know, like the lathe, is, the lathe is not really working like I expected it to. I'm not sure why. Let me know. And people totally nailed it. They said the tool was too high. Oh, I yeah. I remember you said you, your cutting hit wasn't at zero. Yeah. It like it has a quick change. And when I wasn't dropped at it the back center. on it, it didn't. Yeah, it didn't seat all the way, so it wasn't at the center. That's right. totally what the problem was. It was right. great. But I think that got me thinking about, like, well, what if I spent more time going down that route, you know, and, like, what if... Bob, do you ever I see yourself in- uh, Do you ever see yourself getting into, say, for instance, like a Tormac or a Haas CNC situation with aluminum? I think that that's where I was going with it. It's like <gasps> I, I started thinking, Jamie? like, 
Sheeny? Well, hang on, hang on, hang on. <laughs> I started thinking like, well, what if I actually spent the time with the lathe to really understand it? Then I'm going to have to go, you know, you have to put in time there. And so if I'm going to go down that that route, then what if I did get a Bridgeport? What if I did get a Tormach? What if I did get, you know, into that world deeper? You have to spend time there. And for me to spend time there means my videos are about that for a while. Mm-hmm. And so for all of the people that don't have access to that stuff, that's where my brain started going like, well, maybe I shouldn't and maybe I should, but but I want to. And, you know, okay, Jimmy's waving his hands. What is it, Jimmy? Make yes, it your, Jimmy, in the, back, make, in the back. Make it your non-camera ready hobby. Make it your hobby. Where yeah. It's the one, I mean, I know you don't have time. How? How? <laughs> yeah. But, but I'm saying make it the, your hobby where you tinker. Like you find that one hour, uh, you know, a couple hours a week. Do yeah. it your your non-camera tinkering. Just say, you know what, this is my little passive education of me experimenting. And then eventually you'll make one part like you did for the nunchucks, or you'll make one part for you know some cosplay event you're working on. You'll make one part. Yeah. I, I re- think of uh, Adam making like the 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 airlocks for some suit he did with Tom Sachs. Like, you know, he did like a Bridgeport thing a couple years ago where he was so into just that one part, and it was just one thing he did it on the Bridgeport, Adam Savage. So it, I have a couple of pursuits that I don't always film because A, I'm not ready to film them, or B, I just don't want to taint it yet and hmm. spoil it with having to deal with a camera and keep my mind on two things at once. I just want to focus on whatever that is. So make it your hobby. Yeah, that's a good that's a good call. I mean, I don't really know when. Yeah, David, I, I don't know how to do that, All but right. that, that's an excellent idea. One of my flaws is uh, guilt. I just feel guilty for a lot of things. And one of those things is... I feel like I haven't mastered this technique yet. And so why am I learning or buying tools to the, to this other one? Do you experience that? No. Like you don't, oh, man. Cause no, you know, I do, I do that with money. Like I'm saying, if I'm going to spend $5,000 on this thing or $2,000 on this thing, I have to be able to justify it. So sometimes I think to myself, I'm getting in over my head. Like I'm spending too much money on something. It's really just a, it's like an emotional satiation. I want to buy it just because like, I'm like a girl that buys too many shoes. It's not practical, but <laughs> I do justify saying, okay, I have to buy this. I have to figure out how to make money with it. And there have been a couple of times where I tripped. I spent too much money on something that till now I haven't used and, I'm, I'm, and I get a little guilty about that. But when it comes to like artwork, I think you should explore every single thing. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter. If you have that urge that I tell my students, if there's a little thing in you that says, hey, what about me? You know, whatever that pursuit is, what about me? Hey, look, I'm looking for you. I'm, I'm trying to get your attention. Go with it. Because that'll lead to something else that might not be exactly what that thing is. Hmm. I think Good that's point. excellent advice. Yeah, yeah. So, David, I think too. we could probably <laughs> we could probably do an entire episode on this particular topic. But I'm curious: is mastery of the things that you do something that you? How important is that to you? <laughs> it's um, it's a motivator for sure. And but what will happen is I'll I'll see something. And I'm like, I want to be able to do that. And I'll buy the lathe and I'll work on the lathe and I'll, I'll do five or six lathe projects in a row. And then all of a sudden that lathe sits there for a year because I've moved on because I got a new CNC or I got a laser. And I don't think I've mastered any one of those tools. I haven't, and I, and I for a little bit, I was getting into cutting dovetails by hand. I haven't mastered that at all, but I, I, I just moved on and I keep moving on to the next thing. And I 
think it's important for me at the very beginning to motivate me to try those new things. But then that motivation is quickly drowned with new ideas and other places that I want to take it. Because I don't think there's a single skill within my arsenal that I've mastered. And we talked about this before in the Jack of all trades episode. Um, I think I, I just, I get to a point where I feel comfortable enough to try the next thing. I thought I mastered some things, but then I read about myself and read it, and I don't know how to do anything. Yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're still reading Reddit comments? Come on, Jimmy. Oh, man. No, no, no. Every time I think I'm good at something, I say, let me just make sure how good I am, and I go to Reddit, and I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. I haven't learned okay. Put you in your place. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think there's anything that I feel like I've mastered. I don't, but at the same time, like, that's not really a, a thing that I look for, like a that's not a goal of mine. And I know that sounds like awful to some people. Some people want to be super good at things. Actually, um, I don't know. Now that you say that, I, I, I kind of felt the same way. But um, something I do want, like editing videos. Like I really, I want to be so, so good at editing videos. And, and I think I'm, I'm getting there. And I think I have my editing style. And I'm getting the... Uh, I, I'm pretty darn quick at it now, and I, I think out of all the skills, all the making and woodworking skills that I have, I think it's editing videos, the one that I keep wanting to get better at and wanting to master. Because that's the final product, well, not the not the yeah, thing yeah. itself. I agree. I mean, I, I want to get better at things, but I I don't know. I, I've never had. The I know. Drive I know that like, it drives. It drives Nick Offman crazy when because he gets written about obviously quite a bit, and they always call him the master woodworker. He can't stand that because he never makes that claim. But people who write articles about Nick always, and it's happened to me a couple of times. They're like master shop guy or whatever. <laughs> I hate that term because then the the the, 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 <laughs> the morons in Reddit read that and think that I wrote that article. And they're like, you're not a yeah. master at nothing, <laughs> breaking stuff. You mean the nice people in Reddit, not morons. Yeah. Oh, you go into a different <laughs> section than me then. <laughs> no. Anyway. All right. Well, um, you guys got anything else on this? We're we're almost an hour in. I'd say that if anybody's listening that has that urge, and, and I know I'm speaking directly to a couple of people that I have personal conversations with, if you have that urge and you're worried about what the guys at work are going to say about you or to, to you, just go with that urge because life is fleeting and yeah, just. Do what your heart tells you to do, and you'll be happy. Suppressing and, and honestly, it is, is too much. Suppressing it yeah, is, yeah. Not, I, yeah. is not an option. I agree. And and honestly, calling it an artist, calling yourself an artist or calling yourself a maker or calling yourself a plumber or whatever, like names don't matter. Don't, don't call it anything. But if there's a thing that you're interested in doing, a thing that you're passionate about, give it a shot. Just, yeah. That's it. Don't define it. Just do what you're physical nature is saying make this do this film this put this out do whatever just do it you don't have to say i'm an artist one of the rewarding things about being an artist or somebody who creates or whatever you want to call it is the the sharing part and we're known for our youtube videos but if you're looking to share your 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 stuff your creations instagram is a really easy way to to show the world what you're working on and there are some people just killing it on, on Instagram. So if you're that for me creating that, the showing other people, that's the reward for me. And so 
I would imagine other people feel the same way. So maybe Instagram's your route. And I, I had a little quick conversation with a close friend yesterday, just giving him some advice about you know career choices. And he's not sure if he should make this move or that move. And I said, you know what? Life is only interesting when you take chances. That's that is true. One little bit of advice. You're only going to grow by taking chances. You're never going to grow by sticking around in the same spot, even though you know you shouldn't stay there. Speaking of taking chances, Alex Steele is moving from the UK to Montana. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> That's crazy. I haven't anymore. watched the video. What's what's uh, what's the move for? He, he I don't know. He, he hasn't Montana. really said it. <laughs> well, he did. He did say it. I watched it. He kind of said it in a not so cryptic way, but he basically said, "I love this life." Most of my audience is America, and I think he was kind of saying in a roundabout way, his opportunities are limited being where he is in the countryside yeah. of England. He wants to come oh. to America. His knife making capabilities will be expanded. His ability to market himself will be expanded, and it's just everything's bigger and more opportunistic here in America. And he has loads of friends here. He's going to go hang out with Will. So I'm hoping to see him. I'm sure I'm probably going to end up going back to the Moccasin Powerhammer event that I went to in March last year with Alan Lake. So I'm sure we'll all do that again because we had such a good time. And, and Will was there, and I'm sure if Will goes, he's going to bring Alex. So uh, um, uh, it's And I use that as an example. I'm glad you wrote up. For someone, it's going so well for him, and he's willing to sell all of his tools, every single yeah. thing. He's not bringing anything with him, and just start over because the, he trusts the artist within. It's yeah. not necessarily about the tools. It's not about the perfect lathe or the perfect bridge port or the perfect power hammer. He trusts his ability to just make it happen wherever he goes. And, well, and, I hope uh, he. Ex- I'm really proud of him for that. I hope he yeah. expands on that because I I, I worry about other people seeing that and thinking oh i can't do this for a living if i live in such and such place where the internet makes this world so much smaller and everybody i think he also has i think he also has a heartfelt attachment to america because that's where he learned his blacksmithing okay yeah but i I think i agree with what you're saying david but i also think that he is proof that you can start a very successful that's a good point thing up to what he's done so far that's a good point has been you know from a very young person in the middle of nowhere in england well (laughs) where it is (laughs) you know what i mean like he doesn't it doesn't seem like he's like in a major area in england he's just kind of out there um so yeah i think he's proved that and i hope that part of this move will encourage people like he's like you said he's starting over he's going to build an entirely new shop he's going to you know get all the tools again not new tools, I assume. He's going to go find old tools and yep. like start from scratch. And I think that hopefully is a great example to other people who are kind of getting started that, you know, you can, like, God forbid you were to lose everything you have, you can start over and build a shop up, you know. So anyway, regardless, I'm excited for him. Um, I think it's pretty crazy. And I know he's going to have everybody and their mom trying to like, <laughs> do with collaboration <laughs> with him. And like, hey, let's, I already said, I mean, as soon as I heard it, I sent him a message and I was like, hey, man, I will help you build your shop. Let me know. I will be there, you know. But So I want to anyway. follow up uh, only because a couple of people asked me privately all week, how did the robot interview thing go that I went with last week? I'm going to put it in my new vlog, but I went to ABB Robots. That's the company. ABB makes oh, yeah. robots. The robot it was arm. Like robot. What do you? They, yeah. uh, Go ahead. They make the, the the robot that has two arms. It looks like a little football player with two arms. I forget the the Abo Abi Ababa. I forget what it's called. <laughs> but you ever see that robot? It's got two arms. It's like picks up and. Plays. I just want to hear you say it again. <laughs> the Abiba. Yeah. 
That's the one. Uh, anyway, ABB Robots. I went and met with the, a couple of the research scientists there. These guys talk about artistry. These guys are complete PhD scientists, mechanical engineers, and I see them as artists. We had such a great afternoon hanging out, talking, just literally just talking about tools. And, and uh, I, I met a bunch of guys. Uh, I, I, I remember Greg and I remember Will. Will runs the giant machine shop there. And we bonded right away because he's missing half of one of his fingers. And we, he kind of was shyly <laughs> showing me his cutoff finger and I showed that him my club. cutoff finger. So we're in the same club. But we, we had a lot of, uh, we, we shared a lot of good insight and conversations. And if I had a robot, what would I do with it? And one of the first things I thought of was sharpening. So we're going to maybe, they're going to, this is, you know, it's all up in the air. We're all still just chit-chatting about it and conceptualizing. But I might get one of those robots to do the micro bevel on the razor blades. So I'm putting a bevel on them with the Tormach. Then I'll get the steel hardened and then I'll do a micro bevel, which will keep the carry, which would carry the very sharp edge. And so we're talking about having the robot pick up, sharpen, and place it down. So there'd be like a pile of unsharpened ones, and then he'd sharpen them and put them over there. And uh, then when I got home, I was just having a conversation with Kevin. And out of the conversation, I said to Kevin, I think might have even sparked it or even said it. What if we just have one of the robots just holding a hammer? And it's just it's just a striker next to your anvil. And so the robot just like you just step on the pedal and the thing just goes bomb, 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 bomb with a hammer in its hand. We detach it, hammer, and we make some sort of like there'd be like a dampening mechanism so the hammer has like a little bit of a give. And that would be my striker. So if I'm doing like anything on the, I could just like step on the pedal and the hammer is going to hit exactly in the same spot on the anvil every time. <laughs> so I might, and he said, he goes, you can do that. My, my buddy, my new buddy, Greg said, but that gets into the robot category of robots that will kill you. Because <laughs> they're in the they're in the crushing range, you know. There's certain strengths that you get. And I said, perfect. <laughs> so, but let's do it. Sign me up. So um, I don't know where this is going to go, but we had a really great talk. And and uh, I I mean, one thing I would hope would come out of it is that I get to just brainstorm with these guys more often because we really spoke a lot of the same languages. I mean, I'm not a PhD scientist, mechanical engineer, but. We really, it's really, it's great brain exercise to chit chat and talk with these guys and <laughs> and uh, just problem solving. Just constantly Sweet. exercising that muscle is important for everybody. Even if you bake cakes for a living. I mean, it's just important to, to just always exercise that muscle. And yeah. like like music, you guys are musicians. You never want to be the best musician in the room because you're never going to get better. You always want to play with guys that are better than you. And mm-hmm. you always want to chit chat with guys that are better than you at whatever it is because then you leave the room with more information than you came in with and that's that's important that's true I heard somebody say recently if you're the smartest person in the room you're in the wrong room yep yeah, I I've really heard like that, that. Yep. that's good um, I want to talk to you Jimmy about metal lathes in the after show so I have questions for you and the after show is extra little show that our Patreon supporters get and if you want to help out the show and get that after show, go to patreon.com slash making it. Um, big thanks to our top patrons over there. Wise Old Dal, Evan and Caitlin, Corey Ward, Works by Solo, Chad from Mancrafting, Nick Ryan, Caleb Harris, Maker in Training, Fun Kissed, Art, <laughs> Fun Kissed Artistic Creations, and Make, Build, Modify. Um, big thanks to them and everybody else who supports us. And if you want to help out, go over there and check it out. Check it. Or don't. That's cool. Check it. You guys been watching anything cool? I got something really good. I only just discovered it this morning. I keep seeing it in, in my suggested. And I watched three of the videos this morning before I started with you guys, just rummaging around, walking the dogs and stuff. 
and I want to make sure I say the exact name right. Machine Thinking. Has anybody seen this channel? No. It's all about precision and the very first machine. There's a video on the very first uh, machine lathe made in 1751, and it's still on display in Paris. And this guy talks about, and I wish I knew his name. He doesn't say who he is. I went back to his very first video. It sounds like Malcolm McDowell. I, and it's I'm listening to the voice. Uh, Malcolm Gladwell. I'm sorry, not Malcolm McDowell. It sounds like Malcolm Gladwell, who the, the Tipping Point and uh, Outliers and a couple of other very famous books about, um, you know, just investigative reporting on any subject. And whoever this is has done an incredible job. It's not. It's not just some Yahoo in his garage talking to. Like he does crazy research. It sounds like a full-on produced. TV show, but done by one guy. His voiceovers are great. He never shows his face. He just shows graphics and images of the things he's talking about. And he, the one video talked about the largest forging press made made in America in the fifties. Because when we invaded, when we invaded the the German strongholds and got all their stuff, we realized like their technology is so much far in advance than America at the time. And America said we're never going to be trailing behind our enemies. We're going to have the biggest forge ever. And so one of the stories is about this giant forge, which was just retired in Cleveland. Uh, I think either they retired it or they, they, for the first time in 60 years, they had to repair it. 500,000 500, ton, I think is what it is. Yeah, five, I forget. Good grief. Yeah. And, and on that particular forge, has he created parts for like every single airplane and every single fighter and every single weapons control system on that one machine. Cause it's the biggest one in North America. So pretty incredible. And that's just one story. So I'm, I'm, I'm I just fizzled out. <laughs> Man, I'm done. <laughs> machine thinking. I, like I said, it, it sounds like Malcolm Gladwell. I, I hope it is. I don't know. Cause I just love that guy. Anybody knows who he is, or if he's listening, let's do a story on robots. Okay. What you got, David? Oh, I'm gonna put that zombie weapon thing in my robot's hand. Oh Ooh. boy! See, you're asking for problems right there. <laughs> what you got, David? Uh, this week I got pneumatic attic. Uh, just it's one of those YouTube channels that kind of showed up in my recommended and I like people who make creative fun things and this is one of those channels you know I met her and at um, WorkbenchCon last year and we had a long conversation about video and then I realized that I was standing in a group of women all talking about how some of them were scared about making video because of the feedback they would get. Some of them were already doing it and were encouraging. And it was really super cool. And I realized I was the only dude there and I had nothing useful to offer. <laughs> but it was awesome. It was awesome to see that conversation happening. And yeah. she was in there and she's really, really cool. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. That, that, that's all I got. Good to know that she's a cool person. I just subscribed to her. I, I've been seeing her suggested videos all week. It's funny. I didn't, I, I watched the flip thing and which seems to be her, yeah, that's the most recent video. It's doing really well. The suggested cool. video um, part on YouTube is, it, it's, it's, it does work really well. I actually find myself, and I know a lot of people don't like this, I find myself going to the homepage more than my subscription page a lot. 
now. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's where I hang out all the time. Yeah. I don't when I'm on YouTube, but like if I'm watching it on TV, that's the first thing that comes up by default. So I see things there. But if I'm, you know, at my computer, I just have my subscriptions page open and I just refresh that. And it's anyway. it's really um, I, like one like one quick tip is uh, it's really smart at showing me the videos that I want to see. Case in point, like I like watching Seth Meyer and Stephen Colbert, but I don't want to subscribe to those channels because they put out 10 videos a day and there's just one video that I want to see by each one of them. And it shows me those, yeah, the monologue basically. I yeah. watch both of them every day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So anyway, go ahead. Bob. Um, so, so for mine is, is two guys that I've talked about a bunch of different times, but they did something awesome together. Andrew Huang and Rob Scallon are mm. two musicians uh, that I know and YouTube people that are both amazing separately and they're good friends. And they decided to, they rented a recording studio for 10 hours and they went in and their goal was to record an album in 10 hours and so they didn't have any songs the engineer didn't know this so they went in and he was like all right let's go are you ready and they're like okay well we have to write some songs real quick so they wrote and recorded 10 songs in 10 hours and this guy just kind of like went along with it and a lot of them are silly and fun and because both of those guys are just really silly and fun but they're also incredibly talented. And it's so much fun to watch them just like slog through writing and recording music together. It's very, very cool. I haven't watched it yet. And I think it's one of those videos, it might be 20 minutes long or so, and I haven't watched it because of the length. Yeah, it's, I kind of, I skipped through some pieces of it because uh -huh. a lot of the, you know, the songwriting portions are like just experimental and stuff. Um, but every part that I watched was awesome. And it's probably totally worth the 23 minutes or whatever. All so. right. Yeah, go check them out. All right, we're running long. Oh. You guys got anything else? Anything? Mm. Anything? Anything? See you in the Let after me tell you about, I want to tell you about the time when I was... I'm just kidding. <laughs> in the after show. All right, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, <laughs> we'll see you next time. Bye. Love you.